You're listening to Authentically Me, a podcast dedicated to activating the magic that is within us all through the power of authenticity, sharing, and transmuting with love. Here you will find real life experiences shared through the lens of everything is always serving. We are led through this journey by your host, me, Serena Rose. I am a ceremonialist who believes that our life is just one big ceremony for our soul. Connect to your soul and enjoy the ceremony. Hello, my Authentically Me beauties. Thank you for being here today to receive medicine and to receive medicine from a very special soul, brother of mine, Ben. And I would just love for you to tell us who are you? What do you do? Because I see you doing so many things and it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on your show, Serena. And I'm grateful to be here. And who I am is an educator. I am on a mission to educate the world on health and nutrition, to cut through all that noise out there. I see so many people who are just tiptoeing their way through life, hoping to make it safely to death. And I don't want it to go that way. I saw that going, I saw it going that way for myself. So I made a decision to change my life. And now I'm committed to changing the lives of many, many other people. So I'm a health coach. I'm a best-selling author. I'm a speaker. And I'm a human being in this spiritual journey. Yes. And we haven't um, dropped in yet, but I don't know, praise the algorithms or the fact that we have tribe family connections, but you have continued to come into my sphere and I just see your heart and how genuine you are on this mission. And I enjoy how much information you are giving the world. And I've watched a bunch of your videos and admittedly so, I've had to re-watch them a few times because there's just so much beautiful information and knowledge and wisdom that it's attainable to humans. And my experience is that society doesn't access this information, you know, the, the actuality of what happens to food in your body and what you're eating actually. And that amazes me. And it's something that I feel super passionate about. And I don't really dive into food or health that much with my mission and my message, but it is something that I'm kind of a self-proclaimed health nut. (laughs) And I enjoy speaking about, and I'm, I'm very excited to, to have you here. So I'm wondering if you have anything to say in reference to what I just spoke about. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. I love that you've been watching some of the videos. I do put a lot of content out there. I feel, I feel like it's my, my duty and responsibility to get this information out there because I've learned it and now I want to teach it. And when I teach it, I learn more of it because if I just learn it once, it's, it's one time. But if I teach it to 10 different people, I get to hear it 10 additional times. So I actually learn myself as I teach it. So I enjoy teaching because it helps me absorb it as well. And like you said, the, the system is rigged. I believe the system is rigged. And the information we've been given, the information I've been given from my personal experience, I started doing the exact opposite and my life got better, right? I started doing the exact opposite of what conventional doctors told me to do what conventional teachers told me to do and everything improved, not just from nutrition with my mindset, with my relationships. So I'm a big fan of thinking outside of that box, not being in a dogmatic approach when it comes to anything. And that's what I do. I study, I teach, I educate. I'm always learning something new. I'm always realizing, oh, I got that wrong. And let me shift my, my point of view on it. And then let me teach about that. So I know that I don't know everything and, and it's just my truth. And I just give my truth out there because I do believe and I know people 
take this information and then take action with it, their life will improve for the better. Mm-hmm. Can you give an example of how you did the exact opposite of what you were being told conventionally? Yeah, well, so many ways. <laughs> one <laughs> one that, came to, that comes to mind is the whole, if, if you want to lose weight, you got to just cut your calories and exercise more and just count every macro. I was taught that. I even taught it when I was a personal trainer several years ago. And I realized that it's just, it's so broken because it's not looking at the body as a complex chemistry lab. That's just a, a simple math equation and you're trying to outsmart mother nature, the, our creator, you know, whatever you believe in God, the universe, we were designed so magnificently and we're not a math equation or a bank account. We are much more complex than that. So I, I stopped focusing on calories. I stopped focusing on macros and all these things that I've been taught. And I started just focusing on quality and being present and practicing gratitude and practicing love and things that I was never taught and everything improved in my life. And that's just one simple example. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I had a conversation earlier today with someone about the power of our brains and how if we believe something so much that that is the reality that we shape literally just with our brains and with food, you know, setting intention into, for example, I know Indian culture does this, um, American Indian culture they ask the water to heal them of illnesses and call on the water gods and set intention with it and go into ceremony and have had actual illnesses and things healed through drinking, just drinking water. (laughs) I love it. I think, I think it's, our thoughts are so powerful. Our mind, our brain is so powerful. So I, I love that. I didn't know that by the way. So thanks for teaching me that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So you spoke a little bit about how you got onto this journey and perhaps vaguely touched on, you know, waiting for death to arise and being on that path. I was wondering if you could go a little bit deeper into how did you get on this journey? What is that history for you? What does that look like? Yeah, I was uh, growing up, I was obese. I was really overweight both physically and mentally obese, mentally bankrupt. And my lifestyle was really unhealthy, not just with the food, but drugs, uh, consuming video games, consuming alcohol as a teenager, and surrounding myself with toxic people. And it, it led into my adulthood, 20 years old, 22 years old, I still have these habits, not doing as much drugs, but addicted to video games. I was really addicted to video games. I would play hours and hours and hours of video games Mm -hmm. until the middle of the night. And I was not living an inspired life. I was not living on purpose with my purpose. And it showed up because I was, like I said, tiptoeing my way through life, hoping just to make it safely to death, not inspired at all, waking up, just not thinking about anything but playing video games. That was the only thing that got me excited. So I was 24 years old, which was in 2008, 2009 where I went through a really bad point in my life where my ex-girlfriend, she broke up with me. We were together for a little over three years. She broke up with me. I'm working at this uh, packing and shipping store as a manager, very uninspired job, nine to five, playing video games all the time. I weighed 250 pounds at this point. My body fat was uh, over 30%, it was around 34%. I was, like I said, mentally obese as well. And I, I was just rock bottom and it was so bad, Serena, that I, would, I was afraid to be in a room by myself because every time I was in a room by myself, I would think of ways to kill myself. I would mm-hmm. actually go on the internet and look for ways to kill myself. And every time I did that, I, I, I would think about my mother and what I would leave for her if I did that. And it would stop me because I, I, I didn't want to do that to my mom. So I had a decision to make. I'm in this space, the rock bottom space that's beautiful because you know there's nowhere to go but up. Mm-hmm. and scary because it's like, how the heck am I going to get out of here? So I started reading books that you see the books behind me here. I started reading Wayne Dyer, uh, Bob Proctor. I started reading all these amazing authors who, who shared their stories about being rock bottom and their tough times in life and what they did to get through that and live the amazing, impactful life they're leading now. And it inspired me to take responsibility for the first time in my life. Uh, and I heard Wayne Dyer say, in one of his books, 
if other people are the cause for your problems, you would have to hire a psychiatrist for the world in order for you to get better. <laughs> and it made so much sense. I, I, I didn't take full any responsibility at that point. I was blaming my family, my genetics, everything. So I finally took responsibility and I started eating healthier and I started exercising. And nine months from that res taking responsibility, I mm -hmm. went from 250 pounds to 170 pounds, 34% body fat to 6% body fat. And, and even more important than the actual physical transformation was that I, I carved out a mental six pack. I got a, a mentality that nobody could, I, I say that I'm un, unmessable with. There's no comment. There's no situation. Mm -hmm. There's no circumstance on the outside of me that could affect me because mm -hmm. I have this inner strength and I have the strength up here. So that's what got me started in the health space. And that was about 11 years ago now. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you for sharing all of that with me. I felt myself, you know, almost tearing up there with that share because, you know, I personally know so many men in particular that are addicted to video games and that have contemplated suicide. And it's just so beautiful to see how you've transformed and you're able to hold that space and communicate about it and speak so openly, which also is medicine in and of itself. And I just think it's so needed for our society and for specifically men you know, nowadays. And I'm just wondering if you could say one thing to anyone who's listening, man or woman, who may or may not be addicted to video games um, or struggling or can relate to anything that you said, what would you tell them and say to them? I would say if, if anybody's in a space where it's just you, you resonated with what I said with my rock bottom, to just know that this too shall pass, there's going to be better days. Start surrounding yourself with people who, who see greatness inside of you. Start reading books that inspire you. Definitely recommend Wayne Dyer. Uh, he's passed on now, but he has a huge collection of books uh, that he changed my life. Mm -hmm. And I would also say that if you feel like you've been buried in the dirt and you're just rock bottom and you're getting your face kicked in every day, know that sometimes your creator needs to kind of break a life before he could use a life. And it's just all part of your purpose. And I, I, I wouldn't, I didn't see it back then. I had no idea that it would be part of my story. I just wanted to end my life. Now I see why I had to go through that. I, I see why I was given that mountain. So now I could share my story and show people that the mountain can be moved. So I would say you're not there because you were buried. You're there because you were planted. Now get out there and bloom. Mm. Mm. I'm just giving some space to that. That's like, oof, that is so beautiful. I love that. Thank you. <sighs> yes. Mm -hmm. That feels great. Um, so admittedly so, there is a small part of me that was a little nervous to come on here with you, which I recognize is actually just excitement for the magic that we can create being on here together. Um, but most importantly, because of my veganism, and I know that you're not vegan and that we're both health nuts, if you will. And so I just felt nervous, like, oh my God, are we going to like have it out over eating <laughs> animals or what is going to happen? I don't know. Um, but this is just me in my head. And so <laughs> I just feel like there's no better way to crush things than to just go right for it. So uh, what are your thoughts on veganism? Yeah, I love that. Good. I acknowledge you for sharing that. I had no idea. <laughs> um, well, I have friends, first and foremost, a couple of close friends who are vegan. They've been vegan for several years. I was actually a vegan, a strict vegan for a year and a half for 15 months, uh, about five years ago. I, I, I love a lot of parts about it. And remember, it's, this is just my truth. It doesn't make me right and you wrong or you right and, and mm -hmm. me wrong. I, I think that I know that there's not one culture in the history of this world that ever stuck with one diet long term, even the keto diet, which I love. I don't think it's healthy to stay in ketosis. 
So that goes with the vegan diet as well. I'm a big fan of eating a plant-based diet. I also see the benefits of eating the right types of animal products from the right sources. That's where a lot of people get it wrong because if they're eating meat, they're eating it from tortured animals and that would just live the terrible life. And not only are you contributing your dollars with, because you vote with your fork to that slaughter of the animal, you're actually also absorbing all those negative microRNA into your cells, all that antibiotics into your cells. And you're going to get stress and anxiety and wondering why, because you ate a chicken salad earlier in the day from a tortured chicken that was screaming to help me, help me. And it was never helped. And now you ate that chicken and now your body's screaming, help me, help me. And that shows an anxiety. So I don't like that approach. I think the majority of everybody's plate should be vegetables, should be greens. And I even go into veganism from time to time. So my view on it is that I love it as a, as a, as a diet. I don't think it's great long-term for most people, but that does not mean you can't sustain it long-term and live optimally. I think everybody's different and we're just trying to find what works best for us. The only thing that matters are your results. How do you feel? How do you look? And that's it. Mm-hmm. Well, I value everything that you just said, and it is something that in another way of wording it that I speak to many humans about animals and their consumption of animals and energetically, emotionally, what they're consuming. Um, And so, yeah, (laughs) that was just almost affirmation for me. And I'm sitting here and wow, why was I ever even for a second nervous to, to bring that up? So that's really beautiful. I'm Um, glad you brought it up too. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I genuinely was just curious too. Like, I feel like I've always wanted to ask you, what do you think about veganism? Because you have so much knowledge regarding the body and food. And I just am a curious kitty over here. And I vegan so hard that I have it tattooed on my chest. So <laughs> this is this is a lifetime choice for me. And again, I'm I don't push it on anybody, but it is it is my truth and what works best for me. I love that. I I, I just want to just say uh, I really respect that because there are a lot of vegans out there that push it on people and very they, they use a lot of propaganda. And that's where things get slippery. That's where things start to get negative, even with the keto, with all these different diets. I mean, you have all these extremists that put themselves in a box and they say, you got to do this, you got to do that. And I think that's the wrong way because you, you don't want to force things on people. You want to give information, let them try what works for them and whatever works for them, that's it. Like it's their truth, it's their body and that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I thank you so much for saying that. And I feel very strongly about just coming from a place of love with everything, no matter what it is and how deeply it's rooted into your human, into your life experience, you know, choosing love and loving each other for where we are at is the basis of everything. And if I come from that space, then I'm going to attract more people that want to know more about veganism and why I'm choosing this path for myself opposed to the latter. (laughs) Right on. Yeah. I love that. And I love that love. Yeah. Thank you. Um, So that brings me to another thing that is very active for me in my field right now. And part of why I bring these personal subjects up, even though this is quote unquote a podcast interview, is my podcast is authentically me and listeners who are here are drawn to to me, my lifestyle, what it is that is active for me. And I love being vulnerable and just going for it. Like, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm experiencing. Let us learn from each other. And I know that you feel strongly about this too. And I have been for about a month now practicing intermittent fasting. And I was nervous to try that in combination with veganism. Like, I didn't know how my body was going to respond Um, But I absolutely love it. And I have so much energy. It's like, I can't, I can't even put it into words. I'm almost in shock. Like, wow, why didn't I do this before? Um, So I would love to just give you the space to speak about it. And 
you know, I invite us to maybe even dive into my practice of it. Maybe you can help me and we can help each other, whoever's listening, uh, learn more about it because I love it so much. That's awesome. I didn't know you started it. I, I, that's so cool. I, and you know, it makes sense because your body's not using uh, energy and blood flow for digestion. It's using it just for whatever you're doing, the task at hand. It could be a Facebook Live or reading a book, going for a walk, a workout. So you're using that energy for the task at hand. That's what fasting is about. I don't, I don't necessarily do it because of weight loss reasons. A lot of people do, and it's a powerful weight loss tool. Mm-hmm. But fasting, it's, a, it's an ancient healing strategy. And one of many that I have in my health toolbox it gets a bad rap from some people who don't really understand what's happening in the body. I believe we were meant to fast. We're meant to have these feast famine cycles and it's set up in our, our DNA. And fasting has been around since humans have been around for hundreds of thousands of years. It's just the way it was. We are, as Americans, most Americans are constantly eating. They're, they're eating every two to three hours. They're in a constant fed state and they're never allowing their body to heal itself. So I want the listeners to understand my view on fasting, intermittent fasting, is not about eating less. It's about eating less often. So you still have the same meals. You still have whatever you want within a certain window. So outside of that window, your body will start to heal itself. So what do I mean by that? Well, there's a process called autophagy, which stands for self-eating. And that's a switch that's kind of turned on in the body when you start fasting. This is a very powerful process. It's your body's way of recycling cellular debris, cellular junk. We're made up of 70 trillion cells. And our cells, there's 70 billion of them that need to be recycled every single day. And the only way to get them recycled and regenerated is through fasting via this process called autophagy. So the analogy I like to give is a refrigerator. Like the refrigerator you have right now inside of your home, it has groceries in it. Mm -hmm. And every grocery has an expiration date. Now, Serena, what's going to happen if you let every single grocery in that fridge expire and you, instead of throwing those groceries in the trash, you kind of just push them towards the back of the fridge, you go to the supermarket, buy new groceries, come back to your house, put those new groceries in front of the uh, expired groceries and close that fridge door. What's going to happen in that fridge? First of all, I'm going to throw up. Um. (laughs) (laughs) So after you get through that smell. (laughs) That is not what happens in my fridge. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be toxic, right? It's going to be, there's going to be disease, mold, bacteria. Yeah, the fresh food will not last as long. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's going to contaminate the healthier groceries. So the body is like that refrigerator. We require 70 billion cells, these expired cells that need to be thrown out. And the only way to do it is through fasting. If you're not fasting, you're getting all these expired groceries, these expired cells that are just building on top of each other. And then you're eating food, getting new cells made. And it's this mess of a, gro- of a refrigerator that leads to cancer, it leads to disease. So autophagy is the most important and most underrated benefit of fasting. Mm-hmm. Yes. I am just smiling so big right now. I'm like, yes, reach. <laughs> <laughs> This is amazing. It makes me so happy to be here having this conversation with you. And I'm just so excited to share you and this with my listeners because it is such a big part of me that I don't get to talk about as as much as I maybe would like to, I guess. So this is a treat for me. Um, Yeah, I'm brought to, I've been thinking about dry fasting and I've never tried that before. Is that something that you recommend? Dry fasting is a little extreme. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I do like it though, because you actually get three times the autophagy. So let's say you do a 24 hour dry fast. So for your listeners, what is a dry fast? It means no water, uh, no food, of course, which is a regular fast, but then this time you have no water as well, which means you're dry fasting. So there's two types of dry fasting, Serena. There is a, a um, there is a, what are they called? A hard dry fast and a soft dry fast. So a hard dry fast means no drinking water, no showering, no brushing your teeth, no getting any water on your skin because your body, your cells absorb it and you still get a little hydration from that. So that's a hard You're dry fast. You're blowing my mind right now. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's two types. And uh, even if you live in a, in a humid environment, your body's so intelligent, 
it sucks in the moisture into your cell. So it's even more extreme when you do it in a, in a dry climate. Where, where are you located? Maryland. Is it, is it humid there or is it? It's humid, yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be a little bit easier for you. But you, So that's a hard dry fast. No showering, nothing, no water going on your skin. Then you have a soft dry fast where you still shower, you still wash your hands, and you're still absorbing some of that water. Either way, both of them, you get triple the autophagy. So that would mean a 24-hour dry fast is, equi- is equivalent to a three-day water fast, essentially, when it comes to autophagy. So I like it, but you got to really be ready to break your fast if you don't feel good and you know, make sure you're doing it the right way. I, I recommend you just structure it properly and, and make sure you are in a controlled environment uh, when you do it. But I like it. I'm a fan of it. Done right. Mm-hmm. So I haven't tried that, but I have done water fasting and I've done um, like a fruititarian diet, which in my mind is a form of fasting as well. Um, and yeah, I just think that fasting in general is something that we need more of and that people believe is harmful. And I don't know necessarily where that stems from other than this corrupt view that we have to eat every single day from the food pyramid days, you know. Yeah. Um, I know where it came, where, where it came from. All right. Educate me, please. (laughs) (laughs) The whole myth that you have to eat every two to three hours or your metabolism is going to slow down. First of all, there's no science that shows that. There's science that shows the exact opposite, that you actually have negative effects to eating every two to three hours, which I spoke about. So where it stemmed was these studies that were funded by these big food companies, General Mills and Kellogg's, because they want people to buy their snack bars and their breakfast foods, right? So that's where it stemmed from. And then it was just pushed. And by the way, 40% 40% of the, uh, the funding for the Academy uh, of Nutrition and Dietetics, so nutritionists and dietitians, 40% of their funding comes from these companies and Coca-Cola and all. And so if you go to these conventions, and, and some of my colleagues have been there, these conventions for the Academy of Dietetics and Nutrition, uh, there are vendors from Coca-Cola, General Mills, and all these big food companies. It's, it's crazy. So that's where it stems from. And people get that information because they trust them. They have their credentials. And then it gets passed on and accepted as truth when in reality, it's doing much more harm and the body knows what to do. It's not going to shut down its metabolism. What would have happened to our ancestors for thousands of years? They would have died and they, we would not be here today. So it's really, they're, they're not giving the human body enough credit, honestly. Mm-hmm. I also wonder too, if it's almost a, a comfort Thing, an emotional thing that is present for a lot of humans too. You know, seeing these familiar brands and trust that trust that you spoke of being built and just wanting to almost eat their emotions. And, you know, I'm just, I'm sensing like this wave of just comfort and how attached to that and to food that we are and how much we associate with our food. You know, um, it's just crazy to me. It's crazy to me how many people do not understand the things that we're talking about. And it's because of what I just said, like they're comfortable with what they see repetitively and know. Um, so I'm wondering if you have anything to say about that. Yeah. For, even for myself, when, when I was obese and I was not living a life, an inspired life, I was trying to fill this hole with comfort food. It made me feel good. And yeah, I trusted these brands because they have American heart association labels on it. And I've been taught that, you know, that's safe. So it was my conditioning that led me to believe that. And it was this hole I was trying to fill to get some something going on there when, when from experience when i didn't have anything in my life to inspire me besides video games i had this huge hole inside of me that needed to be filled and i filled it with food i filled it with food every two to three hours comfort food because it gave me temporarily it gave me temporary in instant gratification and then instantly i felt like crap but i kept doing it over and over and over even though i knew I would feel like crap, even though I knew, even if I wasn't even hungry, I would eat just because I had this hole. And when I shifted my mindset first and I started getting inspired to do things, 
that comfort food uh, vanished. I didn't need it anymore. It vanished from my life. And also, I, I think boredom as well, when you don't have anything going on, leads to bad habits. I, I, I do believe that for myself. I know that if I have blank space, meaning just too much time with no, no goals, nothing to set, nothing that inspires me, then I start to meet the devil. I start to do bad things. So I think that's also part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just feeling into everything that you said. <sighs> this is so beautiful. So where do people go to get your book? I'm like, I want to read your book. And when did you publish it? In 2017 was the first one. And then I, that was the first one. And then I published two more last year. So Amazon has all of them. If you type in my name, Ben Azadi in Amazon, you'll get them. They're all being revised right now. Uh, So the first one, which is called the Perfect Health Booklet, uh, I would hold off on that one and wait for the second edition to come out. Daniel Eisenman wrote the foreword uh, mm. to that book. Amazing Love guy. Him. Yeah, he, yeah, he's amazing. Has he been on the podcast yet? No, not yet. I reached out to him, but he was doing the Colorado retreat. So he'll be a Daniel, great Daniel, I'm coming for you. Daniel, you got to get on the show. <laughs> <laughs> so he wrote the foreword. He did an amazing job. Uh, I'm revising that. So Amazon has all three of them and I have one of them on Audible. My fasting book is on Audible if you like to listen to it. Yeah, I would love to. I just love the beautiful education that is provided through the vessel that is you, honestly. I think it's great and I see you doing all of these things, um, traveling and doing talks and doing collaborations and just all of these really inspirational movements and I'm just wondering what shifted for you like did you have a moment where you said okay I'm gonna hit the ground running I'm ready you know and what shifted to put you into that space to to hold this space for so many other individuals yeah thank you for that I'm glad that you see me and uh, I'm inspired by by those words and I really appreciate it. So I want to say thank you. Mm. Um, yeah, what shifted was my father getting sick. Uh, my father had type 2 diabetes for my entire life. And type 2 diabetes is a very common illness, disease, whatever you want to label it in America. 60% of uh, Americans are either type 2 diabetic or pre-diabetic. 60, 60, that's a big number. So He, my father immigrated to the U.S., Miami, with my mom back in the 70s from Iran, the Middle East. They were born there and they came here and had me. And he adopted that standard American diet and he ended up getting diabetes. So I remember as a young kid and then a young adult just driving him to his doctor's appointments, listening to everything the doctors told me to do, buying him his groceries, refilling his medication every week, every week. And he got worse and worse and worse, gained more weight. And it got to the point where the disease was so bad, this was six years ago now, that he started to have trouble walking because his nerves were getting damaged. It's it's called diabetic neuropathy, where the nerves just become damaged. There's no blood flow going there. And if you don't do something about it, the next step is to get your feet amputated because it goes gangrene. Mm -hmm. So he called me and he said he couldn't walk. So uh, me and my mom took him to the emergency room he was so nervous about being there. He did not want to get his feet amputated that in the hospital, he suffered a massive stroke mm. and he, he lost the ability to speak. He lost complete function of his right side and the hospital didn't even catch the stroke. I, I had to actually bring the doctor in and say, my, something's going on with my dad. He doesn't look right. And then they determined he suffered a stroke with damage was done. So from that point, I watched his life just get sucked out of his body. It's just his life deteriorated. Every single week that I went to go visit him in the hospital, uh, he, his body shrunk. He couldn't even communicate to me. Life was just leaving his body. And I, and I visited him for nine months. I, I visited him in the hospital every single week for nine months. And it was an August 12th night, Monday night, August 12th, 2014, when I went to go visit him, like I did every week. And he was just in the worst shape that I had ever seen him into, in that point. He was throwing up, he was convulsing, he was shaking. He was so help, hopeless and helpless. 
And all I wanted was for him to be in peace. I just wanted him to stop suffering. It had been long enough. And the nurses cleaned him up. They, they made him look better. And I went up to him that night and I kissed him on the forehead and I told him that I loved him. I told him that I'm his son. He's my father. And it's, he's always going to be my father. Uh, and I didn't know it then, but I was kind of, I was giving him permission to, to go in peace. So I kissed him on the forehead and I said, hasta la vista, baby, which he used to always say to me when I was a kid. Uh, he used to always say it from Terminator. And I told him I loved him. And, and I went home that night and I prayed like I prayed every single night. Mm-hmm. And I said the same words, like I said, every single night, which was just please end my father's suffering. It's been enough. Just please end my so- father's suffering over and over and over. But there was something different about this prayer. There was an energy. There was a feeling that, that it was much more stronger this time around. So I went to bed and the next day I got a phone call uh, on my phone around in the afternoon, around noon. And I look at the caller ID and it's the hospital. And, and I just knew Serena that something, something was up. My heart just sunk right there in my chest. And I pick up the phone and it's my father's nurse letting me know that my father passed away that morning. And I hung up the phone. I remember it like it was yesterday. I hung up my dog was right there staring at me. I sat down on my black couch and I started crying, just letting it all out. And I was crying and I had two emotions. I had an emotion of happiness and relief that my father is no longer suffering. He's in peace finally. And then the second one was just sadness that my father is gone. My one and only father is gone. So from that point, I wanted to know what happened to him. I did everything the doctors told me to do. So I started studying diabetes. I started going to conferences. I started, you know, learning about this space at a level I never learned before. Before it was more of a hobby. Now it was a purpose to figure out what happened to my dad. And throughout the years, I've come the information that I've shared with you on this podcast, that I share in my books on stage. It's the same information that would have saved my father's life. Same thing. So I, I know that I had to go through that pain so my real purpose could be revealed to me. It wasn't my transformation. That was great, but it was what happened with my father. Now I know, Serena, that I was given that mountain so I could show the world that the mountain can be moved. Mm-hmm. So my goal is to educate 1 billion people on planet Earth. And I don't want anybody to have to go through anything similar to what I went through with my father. And that's, that's my why. That's why I'm lit up every day. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that is I not an answer. I had no attachments to the answer or expectations, but that is just, wow, not what I expected the answer to be. And it's just so very heartwarming. And again, I was brought to almost tears and I'm sitting here thinking like, oh man, wow, I can't, I can't cry right now. But it was just it touched me so deeply and I know that this message and your purpose is going to touch so many so deeply because I feel it. Thank you, Serena. I I really, I love those words. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And thank you for sharing. And again, just being vulnerable and so open about your journey and what has brought you here. It is truly, truly inspirational. And I can relate to a lot of the things that you're saying because, well, first of all, my mother is diabetic and her mother was diabetic. And I watched my Nana go through a bunch of things and I was really close with her. Um, Diabetes is... (laughs) one of the worst diseases how it attacks your system Um, and it's hard to watch and additionally you know I've experienced traumas and pains and told myself you know that was my experience and I never want anybody to ever feel those things that I felt And that is the drive for my purpose as well. So I just really feel connected to you, to you on that. And I just really feel you. And I'm just so grateful that 
you exist and are on this mission. And I'm happy to be here supporting you and sharing this message with my listeners and the world. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. Thank you. I'm grateful to share this message with your, with your audience and whatever I can do to support your mom and your, your grandma. Is your grandma still around? No, she's, she's passed. Yeah. Well, whatever I can do to support you or your mom and with, with, your, with this terrible disease, like you said, it's uh, nobody dies from it. They, they die from the, the degeneration of it. It's mm-hmm. what it's linked to. So whatever support I can offer, just know that I'm here. Thank you. I appreciate that. <clears throat> So that brings me to my next question, which is since you've been on this, since you've been on this path and impacting people's lives and touching people's lives, what has been the most impactful story or transformation that you could share with us? Yeah, um, I had, speaking of diabetes, I had a beautiful lady angela come to me actually i know i've known her since i was a kid she was friends with she's friends with my mom and uh she had type 2 diabetes and she was worried about it she was in pain all the time she was inflamed so she heard about what my pro one of my programs so she joined and uh her doctors told her that it's a progressive chronic disease and you can't reverse it you know you just got to manage it which i don't believe that i know that you can reverse it i've seen it so I, I explained that to her, I explained what we we're going to do. We did some keto, we did some fasting, we did some gratitude and love and all that. And within 60 days, we were able to reverse it and bring down her A1C and uh, her inflammation went away, her joint pain went away. So that's been a huge victory. And I just, it's, it's, it's stories like that, that I live for. And there's so many people out there who have the disease, but they don't know that you could reverse it. They don't know that you could let the body heal itself. The body has an amazing capability to heal itself. All we need to do is remove the interference and then the body will heal itself. And that's what I did with her. We just determined what was the interference. We removed it and her body healed it. So that's one of the stories that came to mind. Mm -hmm. So I have a family member who, um, my mom has, type one diabetes and I have another family member who has type two and this family member I just see being so addicted to food and almost joking about it like I'll say hey what about you know your diabetes I don't think you should really be eating that da 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 and it's just laughed off and it's just amazing to me how addicted to food and the consumption of food we are <laughs> as a society. And yeah, I guess just, is there any advice that you could give me as a bystander and or to the family member of mine that, and anyone who is suffering from this addiction to food? Because I think deep down, we all know, we all know that change can happen through diet it's just allowing ourselves to receive it and to do it (laughs) yeah yeah well so much to say there uh with your mom type 1 diabetes is different than type 2 uh that's when the pancreas has lost its ability to produce insulin so that one you, you do, I haven't seen anything to reverse that. However, I have seen a quality of life improve big time. Less, you know, you, you don't need to use insulin as much. I do believe there's going to be a time where that does get reversed, but I just haven't seen it. With type 2 diabetes, like your family member, you know, it's interesting because people, they wouldn't admit this, but I've seen this. They own their disease. Like if, if you were to take that away from them and heal them, they wouldn't have it anymore. And that would actually be a negative thing to them because they love talk. A lot of people, I don't know if this is the person, if they're doing this, but I've seen this where they talk about their disease and they, they make fun of it. They own their disease. And if you, if you fix that for them, it's like they have nothing to talk about. They have nothing to to say about themselves. So that's something that's just an interesting twist on it. I would say something to, something to get them working in the right direction would be their why. Why would they want to get healthier? Is it because they have a a husband or a wife and they want to be there to have 
better energy levels for them? Do they have kids they want to be around for their grandkids? Do they just want to have better energy to focus and, and mental clarity throughout the day? So digging deep into their why mm-hmm. and keeping their why in front of them would help them get on the right path. And it's, it's, it's about little small increment changes that you could start making. One of my favorite quotes is from uh, Charles Munger. He said, the chains of habits are too weak to be felt until they are too strong to be broken. Mm. So, so right now, if you're unhealthy, you've had some bad habits and those are strong chains. So now you got to start building some healthier habits that start off weak, but eventually they get stronger. And then the other ones that were bad, they go weak. So you just got to replace a bad habit with a good habit. And my shirt says it all. You want to just beat yesterday. <laughs> you want to have a better day today than you had yesterday. And then tomorrow, have a better day tomorrow than you had today. And if you could just incrementally beat the day, beat yesterday, you're going to be on the right path. And I definitely recommend working with a coach or a mentor, listening to podcasts like this that keep you inspired. Mm-hmm. But that's what it's about. Small incremental changes. You change your habits. You change your future. Mm-hmm. I would also say too, the why not is important as well, you know, because some people are not even in the space where they're ready to say, I'm going to get healthy. Okay. Well, why not? Why are you not there? What is keeping you in the space that you are in? And can we address that? You know? Yeah. That's a great question to ask. It's, it's something that nobody really thinks about. Yeah. Well, maybe now they will. (laughs) (laughs) It's, yeah, food and diet is, it's a testy subject. And I have to say, it's probably why I haven't openly talked about it. And just over the past year, I've been very open regarding my veganism. But humans are just so, so, so attached to their food in a way where it almost takes over the body. I, I am, I get stuck. Like I personally get stuck when trying to talk to people about what they're eating or why they shouldn't be eating it. Or, you know, I just have to relieve myself in those moments and say, okay, Serena, it's not your responsibility, but I guess I don't know how to, to educate people on that. So I really admire what it is that you're doing because this is your your passion and your purpose and I fully support you and what it is that you're doing and I admire you because I want to be able to to help people in that way so I definitely am going to be purchasing your books and continuing to watch your videos and um for people listening, where can they go to find out more information about you, to find your videos? And do you have anything on your heart right now, any offerings that you want to speak to or speak about? Yeah. Thank you for those words. And I admire you. And you are doing that work, your podcast, your Facebook lives, just who you are authentically being you. Uh, that's, Mm -hmm. that's you showing up and making a difference. So the ripple effect of your podcast goes beyond what you could comprehend. You don't know everybody who's listening to it, what sparks something with them and they start implementing it and they change their life and you never hear about it, but it's there. So know that you're making a big difference with this podcast mm. uh, and what you're doing. You. You're welcome. Uh, I would say that you could be doing everything right in terms of your nutrition, your sleep, working out, exercise, meditation. But if you don't have two things, that are required, uh, you're not going to get the results you want. You're not going to let the body heal itself. And those two things are love and gratitude. If you don't love yourself first and then love other people, your body's not going to heal itself. If you have hate for yourself, if you're looking at, I don't know, your, your, your nose or your ear or whatever body part, and you're like, Oh, that's I'm ugly. This is ugly. And you have hate for yourself. You cannot heal a body that you hate. Mm-hmm. You're going you're gonna to create inflammation in your body just by having negative thoughts about yourself. So love yourself. Go in front of the mirror every day and say, thank you, I love you, over and over and over. Say inside of your head all day long, I love myself, I love myself. Your subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between what's true and what's not. It's going to accept it as truth. So say that 
constantly and then love other people, especially people who have hurt you or people who are saying bad things about you, maybe on, on social media, they're gossiping about you because you don't even have to say it to them or, or say hate to somebody that you don't like. All you got to do is think it and your thoughts, our thoughts are a boomerang. Whatever we send out comes right back to us. So it might not come from that person or that day, but it will come back to us. So think love, especially for somebody who has done hurt to you uh, and you'll get love back. So that, that, that's very important. And then adding gratitude and, and focusing on what's working right, focusing on all the things that are going good in your life, what we appreciate, appreciates. So what we feed energy to expands. But if you're complaining, then you're going to have more to complain about. But if you're mm-hmm. focusing on what's working, you're going to have more things to, <laughs> that's working for you. So love and gratitude. And then you could do keto and fasting and all that good stuff. And it'll work that much more effectively. That would be the last thing I would want to say. And my, my YouTube channel would be a great resource. I put a lot of energy and effort and resources into that channel. And uh, it's youtube.com slash keto camp. And that's camp with the K. So youtube.com slash keto camp. Watch my videos, subscribe there. And then if you're on Facebook or Instagram, look me up, Ben Azadi. I'm very accessible. I'd love to answer any questions. And uh, I want to acknowledge you, Serena, for doing the work that you're doing, showing up so authentically, asking amazing questions, being present. I felt like you were, you were really listening to me and just being who you are. And thank you for giving me this opportunity to share with your community. Yeah, thank you so much for that. I appreciate you. And I will put all of these links and um, information on the podcast notes so people can easily find it and find you and your medicine. So it was an honor. It was a true, true honor to, to have you here. And I'm just so excited that we got to have conversation and I look forward to dropping in with you some more. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Love and gratitude. (laughs) (laughs) Right back. I receive it with open arms and I send it right back to you. And we send it to you. Whoever is listening, you are loved and we are grateful for you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Authentically Me podcast. If you would like to book a reading or work one-on-one with Serena, get in touch with her at bookserenarose at gmail.com. To get involved and receive in a deeper way, become a patron by following the link www.patreon.com forward slash Serena Rose. You can also find me on Instagram under the handle Serena Rose Jarvis. It is an honor to share with each and every one of you authentically. Remember to be you, be true, and be beautiful. You are exactly where you are supposed to be doing exactly what you are supposed to be doing.